Your film is now ready to be shown. I'm Justin Hendricks, editor of Tech Policy Press, a nonprofit media and community venture intended to provoke new ideas, debate, and discussion at the intersection of technology and democracy. I normally publish this podcast on Sundays, but this week I'm publishing a special midweek episode to share a conversation I had with Representative Lori Trahan, the congresswoman for the 3rd District in Massachusetts, to get her reaction to an exclusive report in the Wall Street Journal about internal research at Instagram related to mental health impacts that social media service has, particularly on teens. Congresswoman Trahan knows a thing or two about tech. In between stints in public service, she was chief revenue officer at a venture-backed digital advertising and data company and was a consultant before she ran for Congress in 2018. And she serves on the Consumer Protection and Commerce Subcommittee of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, which hosted a hearing with the tech CEOs of Facebook, Google, and Twitter in March of this year. Here's a bit of her commentary and questions in particular to Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. I'd like to turn the focus back to our children. You know, my husband and I have five. Our our oldest is 27, our youngest is six. And over the years, I've noticed how technology has been increasingly designed to capture their attention. The more time my first grader spends scrolling through an app, the less time she is playing outside or enjoying face-to-face interactions with us. Google and Facebook are not only doing a poor job of keeping our children under 13 off of YouTube and Instagram, as my colleagues have already mentioned today, but you are actively onboarding our children onto your ecosystems with apps like YouTube Kids, Facebook Messenger Kids, and now we're hearing Instagram for kids. These applications introduce our children to social media far too early and include manipulative design features intended to keep them hooked. Great. And Mr. Zuckerberg, will the recently uh, reported Instagram app for kids have endless scroll enabled? Yes or no? Sorry. Uh, Congresswoman, we're not done finalizing what the app is going to be. I think we're actually still pretty early in designing this. But, you know, I I, I just want to say that. Are you not not sure or you're not sharing features? Um, Or, uh, and look, another feature of concern is the filter that adds an unnatural but perfect glow for my 10-year-old to apply to her face. Is that feature going to be part of Instagram for kids? Congresswoman, I, I don't know. I haven't discussed this with the team yet. Well, um, you know, I, uh, look, I please expect my office and many others to follow up. Given what we know about Instagram's impact on teen mental health, we, you know, we're all very concerned about our our younger children. And, you know, just, uh, I just want to speak mother to father for a moment, fathers, uh, because leading experts all acknowledge that social media sites pose risks to young people, inappropriate content, oversharing of personal information, cyberbullying, deceptive advertising, the list goes on. And those risks are exacerbated with more time uh, children spend in these apps. Uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, I understand your children are younger, but when they start using social media, what will you say when they're craving their tablet over spending time face-to-face with you or with friends? Well, Congresswoman, we haven't gotten to that point yet, but we're designing all of these tools. We designed Messenger Kids that the parents are in control. I think we've proven that that can be a good and safe experience. And I think that was one of the things that that made us think that 
uh, we should consider doing this for Instagram as well by having it so that um, we have a parent-controlled experience um, and as you say, child-centric experience for people under the age of 13. I am going to reclaim my time only because connecting with others uh, is one thing. Adding filters, no breaks for uh, for kids to take um, and, you know, manipulating the design of these apps for our children is is another. Look, this committee is ready to legislate to protect our children from your ambition. You know, what we're having a hard time reconciling is that while you're publicly calling for regulation, which by the way, comes off as incredibly decent and noble, you're plotting your next frontier of growth, which deviously targets our young children and which you all take great stri- great strides with infinite, infinitely more resources in protecting your own children. This playbook is f- familiar. As some of my colleagues have already pointed out, it's the same tactic we saw from alcohol companies and big tobacco. Start them young and bank on them never leaving or at least never being able to. But these are our children and their health and well-being deserve to take priority over your profits. Trahan wasn't the only one asking Facebook, Instagram and the others about mental health of kids at that hearing. Here's Representative Kathy Morris-Rogers, a Republican from Washington's 5th District. It was mentioned earlier that you're studying extremism. I'd like to ask yes or no of all of you, uh, beginning with Mr. Zuckerberg, has Facebook conducted any internal research as to the effect your products are having on the mental health of our children? Congresswoman, I know that this is something that we that we try to study. Can you and say understand. yes or no? I'm sorry. Um, I, I believe the answer is yes. Indeed, it turns out that Facebook was conducting research on this topic, and this week we got a look at it thanks to a whistleblower who came forward to the press. On Tuesday, the Wall Street Journal published a concerning report with the headline, Facebook Knows Instagram is Toxic for Teen Girls, Company Documents Show. The journal's Georgia Wells, Jeff Horwitz, and Deepa Sitharaman reported that the Instagram documents were part of a trove of internal communications provided to them on areas including teen mental health, political discourse, and human trafficking. 32% of teen girls said that when they felt bad about their bodies, Instagram made them feel worse, said a March 2020 slide presentation in the Wall Street Journal report. We make body images worse for one in three teen girls, said a slide from 2019. The Wall Street Journal report says that one presentation showed that among teens who reported suicidal thoughts, 13% of British users and 6% of Americans traced the desire to kill themselves to Instagram. Today, Instagram CEO Adam Mosseri went on the Recode podcast with Peter Kafka to try to put more context around the Wall Street Journal report. You guys responded to this. You had a blog post up and said, this research that's research exists. It's accurate. Uh, we, don't, we don't think the journal framed it accurately. So what's a more accurate framing in your mind? Well, backing up a little bit, I th- if there's anybody who uses Instagram or any of our services and leaves feeling worse about themselves, that's a real issue that we want to try and address. So I want to make sure I say that up front. I also think to put things in perspective a little bit, when you connect people, whether it's online or offline, good things can happen and bad things can happen. And as a result, that's also true on Instagram because it's true on social media because that's what social media does. It's connecting people. And I think that what's important is that the industry as a whole 
tries to understand both those positive and negative outcomes and do all they can to magnify the positive and to identify and address the negative outcomes. So that's why we're doing this research. I don't think of this article as airing our dirty laundry or anything like that. I'm proud of the fact that we're doing this work. There's a lot of industries and there's a lot of other companies in our industry that I'm sure have an effect on people's, well, I'll say have effects on negative social comparison that aren't proactively trying to understand it and find ways to address it. I'd encourage folks to give that podcast a listen for more details in the company's response. I caught up with Congresswoman Trahan earlier this afternoon. She put the Wall Street Journal's report into context and talked about what Congress might be able to do about it. Here she is. Uh, Lori Trahan, and I'm the representative from Massachusetts 3rd Congressional District. Thank you so much for joining me, Congresswoman. You had a chance earlier this year to question Mark Zuckerberg directly about some of the same topics that were covered in this Wall Street Journal exclusive this week. Uh, And you addressed him at one point, obviously, as a member of Congress. And then at one point, uh, you addressed him as a mother. Um, Were you surprised by this new reporting? You know, honestly, I was not surprised um, by this new reporting. Uh, You know, certainly when Mr. Zuckerberg testified before us in March, you know, he told the Congress that the research he's seen on social media apps, uh, you know, shows that, you know, platforms can have a positive mental health benefit. Um, But I think we all know that's a hollow talking point. Uh, We knew it when he said it. Um, And certainly, you know, the company's internal research shows that, you know, he knew, or at least he should have known, that it's the exact opposite, um, which is exactly what prompted the letter uh, yesterday that my colleagues and I sent, you know, demanding, you know, what he knew and when he knew it. um, And also, you know, demanding the release of the full body of internal research that Facebook has done and on the platform's impact on the mental health of our young users. I understand that the whistleblower that provided what appears to be a a large trove of information to the journal also provided some of that information to Congress. Is are you or is your committee uh, looking through that information as well? So, um, you know, I've I've seen what's been made public. Um, I have not seen uh, what's been you know handed over uh, to the Congress as of yet. Um, but I certainly do look forward. I think you raise an important uh, point. But I think because what's especially alarming is that we wouldn't have known any of this if it weren't for uh, courageous employees at Facebook who knew what was going on, uh, knew it was wrong, and decided uh, to blow. The whistle. And I think the fact that the alarm has been sounding inside of the company for years, but leaders at the highest levels have done nothing is a, is really a damning indictment of Facebook's priorities, namely, you know, putting profits over, over people. Uh, so I do look forward to it. And frankly, I look forward to next steps. I look forward to hearing the response uh, from Facebook to the letter that we sent and, and looking forward to, you know, if that response is insufficient uh, to bringing, you know, Mr. Zuckerberg, you know, back to the Congress to testify about this. Can you walk us through just a, a few of the specific questions that you have for Mark Zuckerberg? And this is in a letter uh, that was sent alongside uh, Senator Edward Markey and uh, your colleague, uh, Kathy Castor. 
No, I think what's the most important um, uh, about the letter that we sent to Mr. Zuckerberg yesterday is we want to know what he knew about this research and, and when he knew it. Um, you know, we demand the release of the full body of internal research uh, that you know, Facebook has done on the, the platform's impacts on, you know, the mental health of our young users. But we also, you know, we call on uh, him once again to abandon his plans to create a new version of Instagram specifically for our children. Uh, you know, one of the things that we raised back in March was this uh, concern uh, that, you know, they're embarking on releasing an Instagram for kids. Now, I'm the mom of two young girls. They're seven and 11. And like a lot of parents in my district and certainly across the country, we have serious concerns about this, uh, about how social media is going to impact them. It is always going to infiltrate my line of questioning. Um, and especially in light of this report and its appalling, you know, results. So we see that in times this can be, we can be, it can be fatal uh, if we don't get to the heart of this. And so uh, I do think, and I firmly believe it's just so clear to me that the last thing right now that Facebook should be doing is developing additional services that are engineered specifically for our younger younger children when they should be focused on making sure that their services are safe for the tens of millions of young users that are already using them. I was going to ask you if this topic resonated with your constituents and whether you'd heard from them uh, this week about this particular report. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm certainly a member of Congress, um, and I, you know, bring a lot of my lived experience, you know, to to my job on the Consumer Protection Subcommittee. Uh, but first and foremost, you know, I'm a mom. Uh, you know, I drop my girls off at the bus stop uh, or you know at school, and uh, and I talk to other moms in my my community. And I think that <laughs> we we all sort of concur that creating an Instagram for kids, it was a terrible idea before this report came out. Um, it's its certainly an even worse one now. And I think it's... Um, uh, what ha what you know in March when we when we just when we talked to Mr. Zuckerberg when we questioned him about his plans, he couldn't give us details about what this service would look like six months ago. Now we know that there are specific features on Instagram today um, that would be so harmful uh, to rolling out for our youngest children. I mean, think of the the filters um, that our young daughters uh, would be using to to make their appearance uh, sort of glow or make it more perfect. Uh, it signals to them that their real appearance isn't good enough or you know, going back onto the app re relentlessly to see the comments or the number of likes. I mean, this is, it, you know, this is not surprising um, that it has these ill effects on our young people. Um, and I think that we're seeing that on the on the main platform. Uh, but I think about our youngest children uh, and the fact that this is their growth opportunity, right? This is their next frontier of growth, targeting our children um, and putting those profits above their mental health, which we we now know the whole world knows uh, is going to be is going to be harmful and in some cases, you know, fatal. And so I do think that that resonates with moms. That resonates with moms who try to you know, use those parental controls or stand over their children so they're not getting uh, onto the wrong app or using the the uh, 
um, those features that they know would be harmful. And so I, you know, I think the one thing that we want our, our platforms to do is be responsible about age appropriate design, about, you know, taking, looking at this um, from the lens of how are we going to, you know, how are we going to design features so that our, our children's best interests are at heart? Uh, so yeah, this is something that, you know, I talk about a lot as a legislator. I talk about a lot as a, as a mom. So you reference in your, well, statement on the Wall Street Journal report this week, a particular piece of legislation that you are advancing, uh, the Social Media Data Act. Can you tell folks a little bit about what that act does and why it is relevant in this context? Facebook has been uh, notorious uh, for cherry picking their internal research and releasing it. So it casts them in a very bright light, right? They do that before Congress. Uh, they do that to regulators, uh, and most importantly, they do it, you know, to their users. And they they've completely lost their credibility in this regard. You know, if if Facebook and other large platforms had better programs in place to collaborate with academic researchers, we could have had you know public-facing, peer-reviewed studies for everyone to see. So one of the things that we did was we introduced legislation earlier this year that achieves that goal. It's called the Social Media Data Act. And it will create the conditions for platforms like Facebook to share raw data and internal studies with independent researchers in a way that protects intellectual property and privacy, um, but that gets at the heart of like what these effects are on, on users, right? I mean, Facebook and platforms like it, they often say that, you know, criticisms aren't accurate because reporters and policymakers don't understand the full picture. Well, now they have a chance to ensure that experts can get the full picture. And, and that starts with making, you know, the Social Media Data Act law. And just to give you a little bit of detail about how it works, in, in addition to requiring that, you know, these large digital platforms, specifically those with more than 100 million, you know, monthly active users, publish and maintain an ad library that's accessible to our academic researchers. This act also will create a working group that's convened by the FTC that would be responsible for publishing guidance on how independent, non-commercial research can be done so that consumers privacy rights are protected. Uh, you know, that, that working group will include, you know, stakeholders like social media researchers, uh, privacy and civil rights experts, technologists, uh, social media company representatives, and, and others. And they'll be tasked with publishing a code of conduct for research that utilizes company-provided data uh, to ensure that there's no room for violations of user rights. But I, I do think we need to understand the impact and we can't rely on the platforms to do that research for us. We really do need independent academic researchers so that we can get at the truth. In addition to Tech Policy Press, I, I do research and I teach at uh, NYU in the School of Engineering. Um, wow. some, some of my colleagues there were studying Facebook's uh, advertising in particular and using a, a browser extension to collect data. Um, and discovered in the course of their research uh, a bunch of missing posts related to to January 6th that they had to query the company about. That's what prompted Facebook to then uh, kick them off the platform. Um, I assume the Social Media Data Act would also kind of come with possibly a, a stick. It would, it would kind of force <laughs> these platforms to collaborate with researchers. Yeah. I mean, look, this is, um, this is something that we know just to be true, right? These massive digital platforms like 
Facebook, they continue to profit hand over fist from targeted ads, um, while bad actors, you know, actively, you know, exploit their lack of transparency in some cases to harm consumers, right? So, you know, when when the researchers like those at NYU try to look into it, Facebook does everything possible to lock them out and, and keep key data shielded uh, from the public and from experts. And they argue that they they do it to protect user privacy, but that argument falls flat when we're talking about advertising data that only includes high level, you know, aggregated user targeting data. Um, so I think that that's the approach that we need to take. Uh, it's 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 clear that you know we by giving um, access to these independent researchers, we can we can understand a whole lot more about the, you know what kind of data is collected on people, how that's being used to target uh, advertising and data uh, to users, and and get it you know some of those harmful effects uh, that we should absolutely as legislate as legislators be putting up guardrails you know to safeguard um, you know especially you know users, but especially our children. Since I've brought up. January 6th, and I know you and, and your staff had to shelter in place that day and were under threat along with the rest of, of Congress. I also want to bring up this yesterday's report in the journal, the second in the series, uh, which showed how Facebook provokes users, media, politicians, and others towards outrage, uh, drive them towards more negative stances, uh, even seeing politicians in different parts of the world changing their platforms to try to get some algorithmic juice out of uh, more negative positioning. Did you take a look at that report and what did you make of it? Yeah, so I'm familiar with it um, for sure. You know, I think that their researchers have discovered that, you know, publishers and, and influencers, especially uh, in the political space, optimizing, you know, for engagement by reorienting their posts toward outrage uh, and sensationalism. You know, I, I know my office, we frequently hear from researchers that study online polarization, you know, political discourse and influence operations. And they, they have understood that Facebook's algorithms, you know, reward sensational content over the last few years. But they, you know, they simply don't have the same the same data that that Facebook has, um, and and we know that you know what starts as maybe a fringe conspiracy theory or a point of controversy in the darkest parts of the internet, right? That that can snowball quickly on on a platform like Facebook, and we've seen it happen time and time again, particularly when it comes to uh, you know political rhetoric that grows into threats and violence, and in the most egregious example, culminated in, in you know the January sixth insurrection. So, look. <laughs> a functioning democracy is predicated on, on truth, uh, informed and respectful public debate. And, uh, you know, Facebook has knowingly designed their platform to achieve the opposite because it boosts their profits. And it's, it's one thing if they acknowledge that publicly, but instead, uh, you know, they're, they go further by burying their internal research on the topic and limiting, you know, independent research. And so it's the reason why we've crafted legislation. If they're not going to do it themselves, we do need to require that they allow academic and independent researchers access to the necessary data currently under lock and key by Facebook and other platforms so they can publish reliable studies on polarization and dangers on their services, you know, not just what the companies want us to see. You know, this particular set of concerns, going back to social media, teens, children, 
Um, yeah. It is one area where there appears to be some bipartisan agreement. You know, your colleague, I think of uh, Kathy Morris Rogers, a Republican in Washington, for instance, um, who seems to share some concerns very similar to yours. Do you think this Wall Street Journal report will will change anything about your work on social media? Uh, maybe we could see some bipartisan legislation on these issues coming out of uh, your committee. Yeah, you know, I'm always hopeful. I mean, I have to say, uh, when we sit in some of these hearings, um, especially in March, when we were, uh, you know, when, you know, the, the CEOs of these major tech platforms, you know, testified, many times we, we were saying very similar things, right? And I think, uh, with ranking member, um, Kathy McMorris Rogers, she's got children herself, I, I do think that we are, um, we there's agreement um, that we need privacy legislation, we need to protect our children. Uh, and so I do think that this report uh, coming out, just it, it adds urgency. Um, you know, there's no question that there's a lot of momentum uh, going toward uh, having comprehensive privacy legislation crafted and passed by our, our committee and by this Congress. But I think, you know, what you will see now is, you know, certainly when we get through some of the things that are really taking up headlines uh, right now in terms of bipartisan infrastructure and build back better, that our committee is going to, you know, focus on this issue. And I, I do think that there's a lot of momentum on both sides of the aisle uh, to do that. And so, you know, when I think about opportunities for bipartisanship, um, what better place than to start than protecting our children? Um, and, you know, we've I, I think that that is um, a logical place and, a, frankly, an urgent place for us to start. So with the one minute we have left, if uh, it were Mark Zuckerberg on Zoom in front of you again, instead of me, what would you say to him now in September 2021, having read this Wall Street Journal report? Yeah, I, well, I would I would ask them the same questions that I have had in, that I asked in, in the letter. You know, I when he testified before us in, in Congress, he only gave us sort of the um, the examples of how social media and it, you know, and our youngest children being onboarded to social media early can benefit them. Uh, but in light of this report, I want to know, when did you know about this report? When did you read the results of this report? Uh, how could you not? Avert, you know, your eyes uh, to these damning uh, statistics and things that really do hurt our our youngest users, and and still in good faith talk about launching an Instagram for kids. Uh, you know, I I know sometimes that it sounds you know cliche, but I even brought it up in in March when he was before me. Uh, but we do compare Facebook right now to big to tobacco because it really feels like we're watching the same story play out. You know, they have the research, they know the problems on their platforms, and they have the ability to fix them. And they're simply choosing not to. And so my question for him is why? Congresswoman, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you so much. Great talking to you. That's it for the special edition. I hope you'll send us your feedback. You can write to me at justin at techpolicy.press or find us on Twitter at techpolicypress. Thanks to my co-founder, Brian Jones. Thanks to our guests. And of course, thank you for listening. Tech Policy Press.